Are you black? Are you educated? Are you broke? Not alone. Woo! Yeah. Now this is how you start a show. <laughs> Just like this. You feeling me? Ah. Uh, okay, yeah, pen and paper with a custom flow When you're blessed like this, you supposed to blow When it feel this right, now you can't go wrong Cause we black, educated, and broke <laughs> But not for long Not for long, 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 not for long, not for long. Hey, we black and we educated Topic of the conversation Now that we activated We up and we elevated It's giving what is given Forever how we living Mind on the business But there's knocking like a witness Like Not for long 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 Randy, I love it when you look at me To get this thing started Because Typically this is, you know, you do your intro, Very much. and we get it going, and the show kind of damn kicks producer. off from right there. Got a there. whole damn whole producer. producer, and she's not even paying attention. I, oh my I God. Am you see why I do what I do? That's you why you do what you do. What we're not gonna do is do this in front of guests. Thank you so much. Yeah, we are. Um, you know, it doesn't change. However, comma, <laughs> I just figured, you know, Q, because you know you're a part of the reasoning for our uh, astute guest tonight. I just assumed you maybe wanted to, you know, get the show pop, but I was trying to let you do have your moment, boo. You know, and I, I did think that we didn't discuss it, we but. We our chemistry is just so dope that we kind of understand how it goes, and I figured that's where it was headed. Um, so we do have a guest in our building today. That if you're on TikTok, you've probably come across this page. You know, TikTok runs off this thing called an algorithm. That part. And if you attended an HBCU, Ew. or if you're into anything history related, specifically black history related, you've probably seen this white guy talking about history on TikTok. And you're like, how do you know that? That's my university. I didn't even know that about my university. And fortunately for us, we had a guest who actually reached out to him. Shout out to Terrence, who was here last week or the week before, who um, reached out to him. Black IT. Yeah, Black Black IT. IT. So when he sent me the information, I was like, you know, I've seen him. Luckily for us, he's in Atlanta this week. Yes. And if you don't know who I'm talking about, don't tell him yet. Don't say. Don't tell him yet. Don't tell him yet. Because I just want to go back, right? Okay, go ahead. Tell him a little history, right? So, like, you know, when Q he sent it to our group chat, you know, all of us, and we were like. Who is this white man? Talking about HBCUs with the mohawk and shit going mm-hmm. on. I said, who is this man? And so, you know, I, I went to go look at the content, and I was like, oh, shit. Let me keep looking. Is he an imposter? Is this is real? Is he an imposter? Is he an imposter? <laughs> who sent him? Is he AI? Is he an agent? I was trying to figure it out, you know. Absolutely. But, um, I was very impressed. And then I had to get Mike B's take. As you know, Mike B, he's skeptical on everybody and mm-hmm. their mama. And Mike B had questions, so... Sure, I think we all got questions. <laughs> that's that's the point of it. Yeah, I right? said TikTok, and I don't have questions. one, oh, so yeah, that's was... my first thing. I don't have a TikTok. Yes, I don't. I'm not with that time. And his, you are a millennial. You are definitely part of that time. You just living in Gen X. Instagram, world. Gen X, Gen <laughs> X. Uh, we have Facebook. And, we and, and, listen, and then Mike, millennials if have you get Instagram. On TikTok, Mike is gonna change your life because what's the baby? Uh, Gen Z got TikTok, and then the Alpha is on TikTok. Is that what it is now? Alpha. Yeah, Generation Alpha. Listen, I can't keep up. I don't keep up either. I can't, I That's can't what Kate it. is. Is Kate an alpha? Cal- he is. I, he is. Is it what, 2013 through 
a certain period now. Yeah, yeah through now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're alpha. Rick, wicked. All right, if you don't know by now who we're talking <laughs> about, we are talking about White George from TikTok. What's happening, champ? What's up, ladies and gentlemen? How yes. are y'all? We're good, man. Hey, G Dub. Don't, don't listen. On? Listen. Don't get. Clam shelled up on us now. You were talking <laughs> our head off from the time you got out the car. Don't because the mic is in front of you. Don't nah nah nah. We need you. What we see on TikTok, we need all of that. Be yourself, be authentic, authentically yourself. Yes. Authentic or nothing. Absolutely, man. Because that's what we're gonna do. We're well, gonna be super authentic today, man. I'm excited to be here. Thank y'all for having me. It's my first live in studio podcast I've ever done. You're I heard that man. first, right? Yep. Black Always be my first. Listen, oh. a lot of firsts happen here. So, welcome. Thank you. Welcome. We, we kind of do our thing around here, man. So, you know, without holding it too long, man, we, we really, as HBCU graduates, which our whole team, we either went to HBCUs, know people who went to HBCUs, or we grew up in one of the blackest cities in America. So, mm-hmm. we are super, you know, pro- HBCUs getting ahead and making it. How did you get started in wanting to, you know, go around, learn about HBCUs, and then put it out to the masses? Before he answers, though, I want to <laughs> drop the bombshell so they can get, because then they're going to really be tuned in. Just so you guys know, uh, George, G Dub, uh, said Barry. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Yeah. So he's actually was a former, uh, was raised white supremacy, right? So white supremacist and now a huge HBCU advocate. So yeah, we got to get into how did you go from there to there? You know, not, you know, been raised and I like black folks and oh, team HBCU. We got to know how the hell's bells did that happen? Randy started from, okay, we was going to get there, but if you want to get it from the jump, well, cool, Joy, let's, let's do it. If we want to go there, let's go there. We might not even get to the HBCU talk yet. That's <laughs> a part of it. We started it is, with sure. history, born and raised, and how did it happen? Yeah. And where you from, man? Yeah. Well, thank you for that, the I chance that, to answer this. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> people ask me a lot. Born and raised in a little town in Arkansas, about 5,000 people. Uh, my whole life, I still had my same best friend from when I was five years old. Um, I had a great high school experience. I almost died of... Um, Meningitis when I was a sophomore, my house burned down while I was in the hospital with it. My dad was diagnosed with brain cancer all in that same year, given a year to live. And so, yeah, that was a kind of defining moment in life. But you get past that. I was raised by parents who loved me, grandparents, uh, had two sisters, but we were all taught to think a certain way, you know, in our community in Arkansas. Yeah. And my grandparents taught them and on down the line, but. Man, there's a lot of different type of racists out in the world. There's there's the ones that are only racist in traffic, and they're the ones who walk around thinking about it all day long. So there's different degrees. Mine was the type of, I disassociate white supremacy with how most people think. My idea of supremacy is I look down on people to make me feel better. Okay. okay does that make sense? Yeah. If I can put somebody down, I got to feel better about it. I got to justify my actions, you know? And so that's the type I had also didn't know I could think any other way. I didn't know it was a possibility. I didn't see it. I'm living in a virtual echo chamber constantly that reinforces that conditioning. Didn't know. And it literally took life experiences and then God putting me in prison because I was an opiate addict and a very good jewelry thief. And then I was sentenced to 13 years in prison. And in those four walls, I realized God was there all along and it stripped away everything away, you know. And so when you get to the crux of this, I had a cellmate named Larry two weeks we grew up 20 minutes apart and we might as well have grown up on mars and venus 20 minutes we grew up different 
Larry asked me, he goes, are you racist? You know, I'm kind of like still am at that point. He goes, can I ask you some questions? Because we're locked in a cell. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah. man. Shoot, go for it. We'll just talk. And so we talk for two weeks. We stay up all into the night. He's asked me hard questions. And I'm asking him hard questions. Somebody with my mindset wants to know yeah. about a person of a different color. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We we had fellowship, man. All right. So that I guess that brings me to, the, to this question. Um, we kind of got a little away from it. But I was curious to you being racist and you said you were the type that looked down on it mm-hmm. so was this something that was taught in your home or mm-hmm. is it something okay so mm-hmm. your parent your mm-hmm. parents grandparents were all racist mm-hmm. so were you like taught just to look down on black people mm-hmm. or people of color period it was mainly it was mainly black americans okay and what mainly. was their reason and what did they say why you should feel that way um you know it was just it was never really taught for a reason it was just taught this is what it was okay, okay. does that make sense way of yeah. life and yeah. you know it's I find this so funny. This is a tangent, but stereotypes exist for a reason a lot of times because data supports it. I used to think that way. Yeah. But when it comes to the stereotypes that are applied to black Americans, I'm constantly deconstructing those. Like, All right. you know, I'm around some of the brightest people in my life I've ever been around are not, my, are not white. You know what I mean? And yeah. I just start, because, you know, in this room, I have more felonies than y'all have college degrees. That's deconstructing a stereotype on both ends. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's just part of that journey that I get. I try to point out to people, hey, this ain't true. I know you've been told it by people that you respect and love, but it ain't true. So what, at what age did you start to realize, like, I need to make a change and not? Mid-30s. And how old are you now? 52. Okay, so 20, 20 15, years? 17 years. It's been a slow progress. Of course. No, that, nothing like that changes yeah, overnight. Over, overnight. Like, mm-hmm. it, it is something that you have to actively, you know, work to change. What was the wake-up call, though, for you to be like, you know, this is just not... What I've been taught is incorrect. I was tired of being an asshole. Mm. I was, people could sense my energy. I'm a big guy. I used to be a heavyweight powerlifter and body, but I used to be a lot. Yeah, I can see that. Okay. And I used to think it was my size, and I didn't realize it's my energy. And I knew black Americans could read that energy. You know, I had cellmates tell me they could feel it. We talked about mm-hmm. it. That bothered me. Mm. You know, you, I grew up Baptist. You would think my morality and my faith would somehow intersect with my racism. It didn't. In yeah. church, we don't talk about it. Right. So, right. you know, you don't It was separate in church. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, but, and I think in a way, I know this sounds weird, but racism is a self-defense or self-preservation mode because I can feel better about oh, my definitely. own shitty life yeah. when I can look down on somebody else. Mm. That's hard to let go of. Because now you got to be accountable for your own BS, right? Yeah. yeah. And you can't blame somebody else that had nothing to do with it. And so you feel like when you were uh, in prison, you know, and you talking with Larry and God tapping on your shoulder, like, hey, that's when you was like, okay, you know what? And everybody else here is feeling this way. Let me start making a change. I started talking to God. This is really when it changed. It's hard. I know when I got on my knees and I stopped asking God to help me, but how can I help others? How can I serve others? It's like, listen, this ain't working for me. It ain't coming my way. Mm -hmm. How about I focus my talent and energy on others? And just like fireworks. You know, I didn't have the courage and strength to do this. Please don't think that I did. God pulled the veil back from my eyes, and I can't unsee what I saw. But I didn't have this to step out if it hadn't been pulled back from me. And now I don't have a choice. No, I think that's... um, I think it's good that the veil was pulled back. Um, I don't know. I guess when it comes to, like, some questions that I have or concerns... Not to say that you haven't changed. I, I think people can actively change, and yeah. it, it does take work. Um, I just, I guess, I, where my, I'm curious is right now, outside of 
visiting HBCUs mm-hmm. and you know doing your TikTok videos, which are dope. Don't get me wrong. What are you actively doing to change the culture within your community? Because yes, you've changed. But if I can go outside and run into someone who had the same thought process as you, who's not looking to change, who actively is being racist for whatever reason, being taught or, you know, they just want to be an asshole, like you stated. What are you doing to help your brothers and sisters, which are our brothers and sisters as well, but your community specifically? What are you doing to help them to move that needle forward? Um, For one, I realize lead by example. Right. I mean, I I walk the walk. Um, Small, petty things like if I hear a racist joke, you know, I'll look at him. I'm like, really around me? You know, and I almost challenge it. Most time they're like, dude, sorry. Yeah. I can you know what I mean? They all watch mm-hmm. my videos. They knew. And I worked in construction. Those guys were cool, but it's people still have that of hard course. edge. And um, outside of that, probably one of the most interesting byproducts of this is I've had friends that I've known 30, 40 years call me on the phone. So I saw your videos. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Not, And we had conversations. And I had a few tell me. It's like, listen, I'm still going to be racist. I'm like, good for you. You got to stand for God someday. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I'm not going to completely cut somebody off, but my path is different than theirs. Yeah. yeah. And I, it's just, you know what I mean? You said you're not going to completely cut them off. So if their I- ideology doesn't align with yours as far as being one in the community, you're saying you wouldn't cut them off They're as like They're not coming to Sunday dinner. Okay. They're not coming, but they called and their kid's in trouble, whatever. Yeah. yeah. I don't cut that. You know what I mean? No, but I, that's understandable. I don't, I'm not going to hang out with people who think differently than me. Not avoid them, but if they're closed off to it, you'll you'll come back around. Yeah. But what I'm noticing is some of these friends are speaking to me about their own racism. Mm-hmm. White men don't talk about their own racism to each other in a vulnerable way. We don't okay. discuss it. We joke. We deflect. We mm-hmm. project. We apply peer pressure. So other people, if we want to make racist jokes, other people have to too. So they everybody's in on it, right? Yeah. So that way spots. I have a one up on you. Yeah. So everybody's in, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a weird thing, so we don't talk about it on a philosophical or ideological level. It just doesn't happen. But I've had probably eight or nine conversations with guys who look like me about it. And you realize you get in their head a little bit sideways. Mm. That's all it needs, a little rock in their shoe. Yep. And back off. Yep. And I've, had, I've got into it with one, and I'll tell you his comment. He goes, are they too dumb to get into white colleges? <laughs> mm. Yeah, and I said a <laughs> few things, and I hung up on them. What's the, Okay. So we know the history on... You know why we established HBCUs? What is the talks after that kind of question? Yeah. What do you mean? So, oh. are you on the phone with your buddy, and are they too dumb to get into white institutions? What's the follow up to that? My was I don't think you're smart enough to get into an HBCU. Is exactly my response, oh. and that's not that's more me just being an asshole. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> um, when I start to explain to him how Miles College has a CIA and other intelligence agencies recruiting directly out of that college, the STEM programs, I start explaining some of the alumni and icons and legends that come from these schools. You know, like the phone call that we happen to be having. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't have it without Jesse Eugene Russell at Tennessee State, digital wireless networks. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so much of this, and I start pointing it out. I say, you going to give up your phone? You know, you giving up your computer? You giving up your color monitor? Listen. Nope. Y'all would have to give up a whole lot of shit. He said everything. A whole lot of shit. Not even just that. Your you shoes. We can go Jan Masslinger, who invented the shoe lasting machine. Like we can, we can really go Door all knocks, the way back. Everything. Curtain rods. Uh, first integrated hospital. Ironing boards. Chicago. Ironing boards. All kind of stuff. That was Sarah. Uh, Sarah Rector, I believe, was the ironing board. Yeah, it was folding chair. Actually. Who actually her? She had. Has a home in Kansas City, or my home. I passed it for years. That's right. 
Absolutely, yeah. That's right. I know exactly. Right off of uh, 12th Street and, and Euclid. She was a pretty amazing woman. Young woman. First uh, millionaire in Kansas City. Youngest millionaire. I actually saw a video on Instagram about that. And that, that wasn't completely accurate either. I know sometimes things get put on social media and we kind of be like, oh, take it for a fact. There was some inconsistency in that. For the most part, it was true, but there were some things about it that was off. And she's from Oklahoma, which the great school of Langston, Oklahoma, Langston University resides. Who's the wealthiest HBCU alumni? Shit, probably, was it Johnson? Did he go to an HBCU? I'm not here to take uneducated guesses, so why don't you enlighten us? Everybody usually thinks it's Oprah, and it's not. That's what I was thinking at first, but I was like, that seems too obvious. She's white. Oh. Dun, dun, dun. Hold on, hold on. I think I seen this on your page. Who is it? Ann Walton, Sam Walton's. That's nurse. right. I oh. did see that, and yeah, she graduated the year Walmart went public. So she was a nursing student there before they got rich. Where did she go? Lincoln, Jefferson City, Missouri. She went to Lincoln in Jefferson City. Wow, we wow. played Lincoln all the time. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I got a lot of good friends there. I've spent a lot of time on that university. Shout out to the other LU. It's, it's beautiful over there. I like Lincoln a lot. That's because you've never been to Lincoln. Period. Thanks, thanks so much. <laughs> I'm going. I'm going. Here they go. Here they go. I, I want to kind of go back though, right? Yeah, so that. just to kind of, I want to continue with the storytelling aspect. So, um, what I want to know one thing specifically. So you know, you were locked up. You said I think for 13 years. No. I was three, but I was sentenced to 13 for it. Oh, but you only got three. Look at God. Okay. And so when you got out, what was one of the first impactful things that you did when you got out? Not by choice, but I paroled out to my uncle's house, which I think we're one of only two white families in the entire neighborhood. He'd been there for 35 years. Now, keep in mind, my grandmother on my mom's side was the only white lady in her neighborhood for 40 years. Oh, wow. And Geese, uh, yeah, it was Geese Osby of the Harlem Globetrotters lived right around the corner from her. The safest neighborhood in Little Rock. I promise. Oh, the lawns manicured. They mowed hers because my grandmother was old. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She had it made. And my, my uncle in a neighborhood, I remember coming home from work every day, and there's these two older black women that sit on the porch and I'd wave every day. And I think it was four months of doing that before they started waving. And then they waved at me every chance they oh, got. I had to earn yeah. it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I did. I just came consistent. But I just got to know my neighbors. Okay. I mean, I literally jumped from prison into a overwhelmingly black neighborhood because that's where my uncle lives. You know, and he loves it there. So and he so, wasn't one of he wasn't one of ones that was racist. <laughs> I kind of, but not really. Okay, here you want an interesting tangent. I do. Do you know what the integration uh, high school crisis, Central High, 1957, is where they first integrated public schools? Yeah, I've, I've met Elizabeth Eckford. Okay, see, I want to meet Miss Eckford. Yeah, I've met her. She doesn't do crowds. Uh, I've, I've heard. I've, yeah, she does. I actually have a picture. I'll show it to you later. My uncle graduated with the Little Rock Nine from Central. Yeah. Okay. My dad was a sophomore there. Okay, so my parents and all the So that means that they're in some of them pictures. <laughs> one one of them is, the other's not. Yeah, okay. Right. My, my uncle's still alive okay. is just a good, kind, decent man. Okay. Mm-hmm. Does that, I mean, there's, for being raised like we are, he is nothing like my dad. Okay. My dad was a hellion, a Vietnam vet, a brawler. Okay. Kicked out of all six high schools in the Rock. There was only one left that he graduated from, went to the Navy, stayed out of prison. Uh, good guy. Love my dad. Yeah. But he was a screw up for a long time. And... They came up completely different. So opposite. And they're brothers. They're brothers. They love each other, but they fought. They yeah. like fist fought. And my uncle kept whooping my dad till one day he couldn't. I say all this to say that I was raised by one man. But I came out of prison kind of into the arms of my uncle who helped me get on my feet. Who's completely different. An environment that I wasn't used to. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So yeah. I never thought about how those experiences helped shape and form it reinforced what I taught myself in prison. Mm. It reinforced what I learned because now it's in the community being reinforced. Exactly. You never stop learning. No. 
And I just never thought that that had such an impact on me. Because I was fixing stuff in people's houses and neighbors. I gave guys gas money. You know, I just, neighborhood, community. Right. You know, it's different. You didn't do that in my neighborhood growing up. The one I lived in, you did. You just helped people. Mm-hmm. They looked out for you. And when you was your dad still alive when you got out? Mm, oh, he died two months before I got locked up. Is that from mm. the brain cancer, unfortunately? He had brain cancer three times. Wow. In 25 years. Yeah, he's a medical anomaly. They... So when you made your transition, like your family that you spoke about who was, you know, racist, how did they kind of deal with the new you? I don't talk to my remaining parent. I haven't in 12 years. This is your mom? Yeah. When I got locked up, uh, that severed anything. But I realized that ideology came from my mom, not my dad. Really? Now, how did you realize that? I dated a girl with biracial kids. And when she said, don't ever bring that into my house again, then I knew. I got to be honest. There's no shocker there. Because of the the history of our country, but to understand that the the white woman to the white man and how she caters more so to his ideology, like the mothers of Confederacy, which has transitioned lately. We'll, we can talk about that later. Um, that makes complete sense. Mm-hmm. It makes total okay. freaking sense. Not all. Now we we definitely want to make sure that none of the, our statements are blanket. Very much, but. For you to admit to know, it makes complete sense. But I know they had to hurt you too. Absolutely. Here's the crazy part. Okay, this is what my dad had a a best friend in Vietnam who's a black man, right? Okay. Mr. Woodrow, and my dad loved that man. Loved that man. You better not say the N word in front of that. My dad not break your jaw, but my dad would say the word in front of him. Mm. You know what I mean? Like there's a disconnect between. And I saw that, and it mm-hmm. didn't make sense to me. But the girl I dated with biracial kids, she had, Jesse was 13 at that time, the last year of my dad's life, and he'd come over every Monday night for just a big meal and cookies, and he and Jess would sit on the couch and talk. She's an old soul. And it was usually 7 o'clock, and he started getting there 6.30, 6, 5, he got, and finally he goes, what time should you get out of school? And I'm like, Dad, give her a little bit of time. He wanted to hang out with Jesse. You know what I mean? And that was just so, and I watched my dad evolve. I watched my grandmother But here's the crazy part. I say all this. uh, My sister has a very successful business. And before I quit to go on to something else, I'd hired a temporary guy. And it was a black guy, hard worker, and I convinced him to hire him full time. He's still there. My mom helped buy him his first house, helped him buy his first new car. My mom would never have done anything to help me get a house. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think she's putting that affection for him that we don't have. Does that make sense? I'm her only son. Yeah. I'm so happy he's the beneficiary. Absolutely. But how could she have that in her mindset towards me, but then be so loving? Yeah. See, but that's yeah. the insidious and confusing part about racism. I don't think a lot of people understand. Yeah. So is it more so out of fear or not understanding? Oh, fear of not what you don't understand. That's what it is. Because yeah. listening to you, the people in your family who's actually sat down and spent time with people that look like us it's like they it's kind of transformed their mind maybe not fully but they are a little more understanding like okay and it's not one of those you're one of the good one type is it it's more so uh i like you and okay maybe i'm slightly wrong you're laughing but i know the conversation and it's like okay you're one of the good ones like no there's no there's no such thing as that no there's not there's no Oh god, that, but that—that's trust me. I've heard that. I mean, yeah. I've heard that in conversation. Uh, I stopped thinking about it, the colored part a long time. I mean, to be honest with you, I see color, I see heritage, but I stopped putting any value on it. Mm-hmm. That's been the biggest thing to teach myself. 
I will always deal with subconscious bias. I don't think I can ever yes. eradicate. So when you say, can you fully change? I don't believe it's possible to 100% change. So I think you can get almost all the way there, but you got to fight to stay there. Okay. And if you're aware of the subconscious bias, then you can start to train it out of yeah. it. But it runs really deep. Yeah. You know, and to be honest, I don't, it's probably not in any terms like you think. Um, Trying to think of the best way to say it. Traffic is a great one. Hmm. The movie? We're all racist in traffic, damn. Oh, okay. I thought you meant the movies. You know, that's a good, that's a good, a good point too. But traffic, for sure. I don't think I've, I've encountered any racism in traffic. Uh, not to say that I oh, haven't. I have it hasn't gone by it, but your car is definitely. They're like you stupid black bitch. Oh, I haven't heard that. But I um, <laughs> traffic here is crazy. Listen, get in and get out. Okay, I'm just gonna tell you. <laughs> Listen, I drove semis right across the country, oh, yeah. so part of the game is to identify who is driving that car based on their driving habits, mm. and I got damn good at it. I'm good at it too. I can tell you from a long ways away who's driving. Asian ladies are the easiest. They're like 20 miles an hour below. They told me I can't have this conversation, but I have a theory about certain people who shouldn't drive. No, I'm not doing it. You're not going to let me. I'm not going to talk about it. My my co-hosts, no. No, it's not them too, but no specific people. I've had, listen, I drove a dump truck and soccer moms are the best. There's this curve. It's kind of blind. They're not paying attention. I'm up and I can see them. I'd be right on the edge of the line knowing that, that yeah. they're coming up because they're putting on makeup, a CD, mm. doing homework, and I'm just sitting there waiting until they see, and then I'm over, you know, I ease yeah. And white men, it's the same reaction every time. They let go of the steering wheel and just slowly tighten the white knuckle. You know, they're just waiting. That's just <laughs> that all the time. Just, oh, God, here we go. But it's fun to read people how they drive based on. And you can do that in Atlanta. We know. Okay. But you see what I mean? But that's still stereotyping. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's a fun game in my mind based on patterns, but it's still a subconscious form of stereotyping people. And we do it for a variety of reasons, but it's still kind of insidious when you think about it. Yeah, absolutely. When you break it down like that. Um, but I want to, so keep it, keeping it moving here. I now want to kind of get into. Um, we can get to the HBCU talk, but I want to know, did you go to college? Mm-hmm. Do you have a degree? Where did you go to school? I went to University of Arkansas in Little Rock. Okay. So when I went to college okay. with Derek Fisher of the Lakers. Like oh, he, really? He came to our fraternity parties. Okay. For, so, you yeah. in a fraternity? fraternity parties? Yeah, I had Sigma Nu parties, yeah, at Little Rock. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Fish, he went to University of Arkansas, Little Rock. Okay. Yeah. So Fish you, was good, and he's a super class of 96. nice dude. Yes. Yeah, class. Super nice dude. And but he stuff. was, I mean, he's a good player, really good. But yeah. we know he'd be Derek freaking Fisher, you know. <laughs> I, need, I need to Google. I'm so sorry. Who is Derek he's Fisher? Number two for the Lakers. He won several championships. Kobe, Kobe and Shaq. Kobe, Kobe and Shaq. Oh, Kobe and Shaq. Okay. Yeah. okay. He got. He got. Oh, he got uh, uh, Fisher. I, I, yeah. He I got. He got beat up by Matt Morris for talking reckless on the internet. <laughs> Here he goes. Yeah, yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah, Matt wins. That, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's gonna help me remember. Okay, so you went to. Um, okay, and of course, this is your. This is when you were still. You hadn't fully transitioned to your mind frame, right? Oh God, no. I was still the same as, yeah, cocky kid, college kid. Okay, living your best life, getting drunk, frat parties, and, and whatnot. Okay, and so now let's move forward, because now you're doing HBCUs, and you mentioned that you were dating a girl that was biracial. No, our kids were biracial. Yeah. Oh, but she yeah. was not. No, no. Okay, and this so... This was after you had your transition from your racist thoughts, you were dating a black girl? Oh, no, I was still, I was still, I had it, it was still pretty seated in me pretty well when I started dating her, so date, with her kids was a new it thing to me. To and about that, fir- that first little bit, I was uncomfortable. Yeah. Okay, I'll just yeah. be honest. I was uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. They're, they're great girls. Yeah. You know, and I had that war in my mind, like, why am I having such yeah. an issue? Mm-hmm. But the more time I was around her, the more I just fell in love with them. Yeah. How the hell do you even but I wanted start to, to date with those thoughts? Like, if I, 
I'm, I mean, I know our women are very, very, very no, good no, looking. No, she, but what is it? She's a white woman. Oh, she was white. Oh, okay. Her kids. Okay. And this is before prison, right? Yeah, this is this relationship. It ended when I was prison. Yeah. Okay. They get arrested into it. Okay, so then I want to know, so then from there, then how did you, once you're out of prison, you know, you're, like I said, your uncle took you in, you're getting this new life, you're in a new surrounding. You jumped ahead, we got to go back, he's dating this woman. Yeah, I get that, but that, that, that didn't, I thought like. That's but he's around that, these children who are biracial, they're African American yeah, and, black. and right. white. You know? that, that I'm understanding, I don't know if that was where you started getting the interest in HBCUs or oh, was no, no, it no. after, that's history. I, was, I got into yeah. more, I've been studying uh, black American history and their contributions, I'm fascinated with it because I'm a storyteller and it's a story I've never heard in my community and I'm like I can't be the first you know what I mean like I can't it just feels like because I don't see it and yeah. I just fell in love with the beauty I've always how do I say it I'm fascinated because I used to heard slavery built this country and I could not conceptualize how that's possible. <laughs> now I can tell you exactly you how You can tell it them how now, can't yeah, you? Yeah, now I can tell exactly. Absolutely. I can break it down economically, ideologically. Yeah. I can do a lot of things, but I couldn't see that. Like, that's that's insane. Now it's not. Cost of labor is the most expensive cost of any business. Especially and you can't when it's build free. a country unless you got that much free labor. Mm -hmm. We wouldn't be here. Somebody would have done taking us over. If we didn't build that economic power so fast, and how do we do it? We work people to death who didn't want to be here. That's how we built our country. Before then, though, what was your mind frame before you realized that? What were your, what was your thought in regards to the country before? Didn't give a thought to it. Okay, okay. I'm never really concerned. It was what I was taught. I didn't question it. Mm -hmm. Okay. I was patriotic. Pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Okay. I didn't realize some people don't know where the bootstrap is. Some people don't know how to pull a bootstrap up, and some people don't even have a bootstrap. Yeah. Mm. yeah. That's what I learned. It's a it's a that. That bootstrap rhetoric is extremely dangerous when the conversation is just that, but you're getting hit with boulders to knock you back down to where it's like you can't get ahead because there's stumbling blocks in front of you. There's hurdles like like they tell us, pick yourself up by a bootstrap. Oh, I did it. You can do it. Yeah, you can do it because you know X, Y, and Z and they're looking out for you. You might not have the um, education that this person had, but because of nepotism and you know it, I'm going to give you the leg up and this person is still stuck down like that. That's the conversation that, that must be had, especially when it comes to that bootstrap talk conversation. It's hard to convince people who look like me of that. Yeah, I've been guilty of saying the bootstrap thing, but I realized I had very good <laughs> bootstraps. They were mm -hmm. very, very strong, you know, and but I look at literacy, financial literacy in prison. I saw how literacy affects now why they can build prison beds uh -huh. on third grade literacy rates. Mm -hmm. I see why. I don't know how many redder, letters I read for men, wrote for men who, who can't do it. I wrote appeals for God. It's cradle to prison pipeline. And then when I had to take the uh, GED tape test to see, even though I've college and everything, they couldn't verify yet. And some young homies wanted to copy me, right? And I'm like, you sure you want to do that? I missed two questions on the entire test. They didn't even have me. But those kids got in the wrong level of school. Mm. And now it's really going to suck. They're going to blow it off anyway, but they're not going to learn. You know, I was like, I'm going to stop them. But I warned them, like, you sure you want to do this? I'm hoping they learn and maybe they don't cheat because it didn't get them anywhere but a rougher four months of school. But I saw the lack of education. I saw the lack of male influence, male role models, even white guys. Like, I saw the difference. We talked about a lack of a dad. We talked about them trying to be a good dad because they didn't have one. And they're sitting in prison with me having this conversation. You know, I saw men, addicts, miss their kids so bad. They would do anything to get out just to go back in again. 
There's a cycle there. It's a psychological cycle. And it's been bred into people for generations. They didn't ask for it. I mean, I watched the 13th Amendment. It's just heartbreaking. But I see it because I'm a product of it now. And I'll say this too. I know this will sound crazy, but the first time I experienced racism was in prison because I was the minority. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, And it wasn't racism. It's just I was an odd. I mean, no shock there. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it wasn't like... Yeah. It's, it's a not, shock to it's some of the equal. listeners. Mm-hmm. I just not that he's the minority. I Absolutely treated not. lesser than is what I'm saying. That, that I got a taste of that on some salt micro level. Mm-hmm. I didn't like it. Right. I didn't like it at all. And I knew I was judged for the color of my skin. Yeah. But you know what I mean? And that was a big thing to me. If I didn't like it, how the hell do other people like it? That's on the outs. You know what I mean? But it took me a while to get there. It didn't... I had to figure out why I didn't like it. And I had to figure out I was doing it to other people. Yeah, it was the mirror right in your face, yep. right back at you. For so why friend. didn't you like it? Yeah, it just... It felt wrong. I didn't like... I'm like anybody else. I don't like being told no. Mm-hmm. I don't like being judged. I don't like people putting words in my mouth, taking credit for something I did. You know? I don't like any of it. Imagine all the millions of people who hadn't liked it before me. Yeah. And these were black men? This is, no, I'm saying this is me. No, oh, saying, yeah, black, oh, yeah, yeah. But most were cool, but they still, it's arm's length a lot yeah. of times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and I have, I have good friends in prison who happen to be black, you know, that yeah. I was tight with. I was real tight with. Mm-hmm. You know, my fights I got into were always with a black guy, but it was always crap. Yeah. Somebody tested me or... Yeah. Yeah, I had one horrible one in the shower. That was a mess. Yeah, you can save that one. Yeah. In the shower? What? <laughs> oh, dude. Oh, dude. He, he swore my eyes shut. I broke his collarbone. It came out of skin. It cut oh, my knuckles. Shoot. Yeah, it was a big, it was a bad deal. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and here's the thing is that some guys came to steal on me at the time. Mm. Guys I broke bread with, and I have a 16, 350-pound Hispanic friend in prison who was, you know, keeping people off. But when the guards came, they were all black, and they stomped me. That's just what happens. Yeah. You know, I ain't upset about it. It's just part of the, that's just part of the cycle. And you come out and it, it's just, I guess God gave me a unique brief perspective and a taste of something. Yeah. And now I have context. Mm-hmm. And now that gives me perspective and then I can speak intelligently on it. So, if, Randy, if you don't mind, yeah, yeah, let yeah. me ask you this. Um, in, our, in the news over the last several years, um, the things that's happened to, let's say, George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery. What are your thoughts on that? Because those were... Now, I can't say that George Floyd was with Derek Chauvin. I can't say that that was racially motivated. I can say that it was wrong as being a police officer. But I do believe that Ahmaud Arbery was definitely... I mean, we, we, we heard all the tapes. What is your take when it comes to things like that happening with us being killed by black people just yesterday hannah Payne was convicted of killing a, a gentleman here in atlanta in 2019 tell me what you think about when that happens that case i'm not familiar with uh Ferguson, missouri michael uh, michael brown michael brown i was completely he's guilty i you know the evidence at all pointed to one thing to me in my mind because of the way I thought I could only see it one way Mm -hmm. he went for the gun you know he was committing robbery it was just that's where my mind went and when I started to understand society better maybe Mike is still responsible for his actions but I started to look at maybe all the things in his life that led up to that moment you know what I mean environmental culturally that there's it's a lot more complex than people want to make it out to be you know Tamir Rice is just yeah, there's no excuse. Why don't cops use rubber bullets? Why don't they use the... There's so many less than lethal things. Why is that not the first thing they do? And Timmy Rice, case in point, George Floyd. 
you know, my first thing, everybody, you know, he was high. He was trying to counterfeit uh, 20, and then he uh, assaulted a pregnant woman. And I gave a lot of thought to that. I wouldn't, for those reasons, the pregnant woman, I would hang out with the guy. I wouldn't like the guy. He did not deserve to die. He didn't have, he didn't, mm -mm. it was a counterfeit $20 bill. That was his sin that day. The past crap doesn't matter, you know? Right. But I mean, more so on your thoughts on when it comes to how we're treated and portrayed when it comes to not even just police, although these are police um, there were incidents, mm -hmm. but Ahmaud Arbery wasn't police. Those were neighbors who mm -hmm. took the law into their own mm -hmm. hands. The local DA tried to cover it up. Mm -hmm. So to me, that screams racism versus community watch. Mm. Oh, it absolutely is. But from a self-preservation perspective, a white man like that has less chance of going to prison if he shoots a black American man than he does another white guy. Y'all heard it? That's what I needed to hear. Yeah. See, we under, in our community, we understand a lot of things. and We understand who is going to get away mm -hmm. or may possibly get away. But I needed to hear it from someone that looks like the people <laughs> who are actually doing it to understand. So for our audience to hear it as well, that's, that's important to say. Um, thank you. For saying that, I'll flip. I'll give you a flip perspective on the, this thing. When I was, I got sentenced to 13 years in prison. I was like, "Why so much? It's my first time in trouble. It's residential burglary." And I had an attorney tells me because they don't want you to come back. Hmm. I'm like, "What do you mean?" He goes, "13 years will get your attention." Yeah. Hey, I said because I saw guys get two years, five years. He goes, "They're part of the cycle. They know they're coming back. They keep feeding budgets, beds." And then I started to see that cycle. Does that make sense? Yeah, I get. It. They try to deter me from coming back. I understand their logic and flawed as it is. The other guys, because they just know they're going to keep coming. It's a business. And I saw, just like you said, the flip side is true, I guess, on the way that they'll look out for me more than they will people of color in the courts. Got you. Got you. Um, that's this this conversation is, is great. I know we keep bouncing back. Well, we're just gonna bounce back and forth whenever yeah, it comes up. We do got to get to the HBCU talk. We got to get to the HBCU because Randy, you said you was getting back to yeah, your I question. Yeah, I want to get back to that because I wanted to know. Like, we do you, need to get to it. You were studying. You saying you were like essentially a historian, and I'm, I'm assuming you did some of your learning when you were locked up, and then afterwards you furthered your learning. But how did that lead to you being an advocate for HBCU? Oh. Well, let's. Uh, and along with what you're saying, mm -hmm. so I, I scrolled your entire IG to see when you started the uh, HBCU talks and you started in like a uh, black history type moment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you, you talked about different black history moments. You started with people and then you transitioned to HBCUs actually starting here. Nope. You didn't start here. You started at Wilberforce. You forgot a very pivotal person at Wilberforce that's so dear to my heart. Um, and then you went across the street to Central State. I've spent time up there, so I, I get it. But you didn't mention the Colonel. We'll get into that. But let's let's start there. You were in Ohio. Mm -hmm. Let's let's do it. Then well, Kentucky. Can I tell you how, how did he I did get it? to it? Okay, that's what that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's how he got to it. But so how patient. did he even get there? How She's did he go to Ohio? So that's a part of it. Hold on. Okay, I've been I've loved George Washington Carver since I was a kid because mm -hmm. my name is GW and his initials are GW. And when you have that odd of a name at seven years old and you open the encyclopedia, it's like God's talking to you. <laughs> so I learned everything I could about mm -hmm. George Washington Carver. I just idolized that man, right? Because of the name. And I just fell in love with who he was. And peace still doesn't get recognition. But I got to go to Tuskegee and that was so cool. Oh, their games are amazing. So. 
haven't done that. I've, I've just followed. And then my grandparents grew up with a gentleman who started uh, Jet and Ebony Magazine, John H. Johnson, yeah. in Arkansas City, Arkansas. Mm-hmm. So my grandmother told me that story, and I knew it by heart, and it went viral. And I'm like, I know more. I know more of these by heart. And I just started looking up and doing the research to get my details right. And the common thread was HBCUs and so many of these. Mm-hmm. So I started looking at it from the education standpoint. I did a video on the history of it. And then I looked at my girl and said, do you want to go? She's like, yeah. Wilberforce Central State, Kentucky State, and Simmons College. Mm-hmm. We went Memorial Day weekend. That's when I started doing it. Okay. And I could walk the campus, the history, feel the energy the student body wasn't in. So that's when everything kicked off. And I got to interact with the faculty, admin, student, and alumni. I just opened my world up to a whole nother, like, it's crazy. You're telling us. We went to HBCUs. We know exactly what it is. (laughs) But I'm an outsider and a fan. You know what I mean? So from this perspective, I'm just an objective observer. Yeah. And what I'm, I'll straight up tell you what I found. I'll say this a million times. These now 101 schools, because Pencil Lewis School of Design has come back on, and they're waiting on accreditation mm. in Detroit. Okay. And that's where we're going there uh, right before Christmas. We're going to go through the school and cover it. And we're taking some high school kids from Battle Creek, Michigan, over with us to tour the school. We're doing a podcast from there. Okay. A Q&A. So we're trying to bring kids into schools now. So... Going to these schools, I went there, and we just had a blast. And we just kind of kept going, and then Tennessee State played at Notre Dame. And somebody from Detroit reached out to me and said, you want to go? I got tickets. Never been to Notre Dame. My girl lives in Indiana. She's Catholic. Never been to Notre Dame. That's sacrilegious. So her first... That's (laughs) sacrilegious. She was a Tennessee State fan. You said, say that again? We went as Tennessee State fans on our car, everything. We went as Tennessee fans. Absolutely. Because we want to see the band. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And I already made it... And, you know, I had talked to Mark Henry, the wrestler, on his Sirius XM show talking trash that Tennessee State was going to beat Notre Dame. <laughs> he made sure to let me know the week later they didn't. And uh, <laughs> I tried. It happens, man. We know it's a payday. We get it. <laughs> I, saw, I saw history being made. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, Dr. Reggie McDonald, the band director, led the Fighting Irish Band in the national anthem. Notre Dame doesn't let people do that. And at halftime... They went first and let Tennessee State Aristocratic Bands close the halftime show. Notre Dame has never done that for anybody. We were there, and I was sitting next to a guy my age who's an alumni of Tennessee State, marching band alumni, and he's in tears. I looked at his wife. I'm like, is he okay? She's like, yeah, he just needs a moment. And the reason they were sitting with us because we had two extra tickets, and my girl ran into him at the concession. They were seated with Notre Dame fans. And she's like, come with us. You know what I mean? Like everything just worked and I got mm. to see that moment and I have a connection I'll never forget. And that's just a game. Then we've gone to homecomings, campuses, and it's just. So how many HBCUs have you attended thus far? 21. Wow. 21. 21. And, and I've how time frame? What is the time frame? We started Memorial Day weekend. Oh, this wow. year? This year. And you've been to 21. Wow. Yeah. We spent you're all moving, our free time. We spent huge. all our free time going to campuses. Where have you, which, can you name all 21? I think I can. All right, let's hear it. Alabama, Central State, Wilberforce, (laughs) Kentucky State, and Simmons. We got Lincoln. Mm -hmm. I know I've been I've been to Shorter, Philander Smith, UAPB, Arkansas Arkansas Baptist. Mm -hmm. Um, Hold on, let me see. Lemoyne Owen, Harris Stowe, St. Louis. Yeah, let's keep going. And I've got Tennessee State, Fisk, Nashville. I've got I've been on Spelman. Clark Atlanta, Morehouse, I mean, Morse, yeah, Morehouse, Morris Brown, Tuskegee, Albany State, Miles, Alabama State, Alabama A&M, mm-hmm. Fort Valley State. Okay, I, gotta, I know I'm missing some more. Hold on. Circle back around. I said Tuskegee, right? You did. Yeah. I'm missing somebody. 
for Lemoyne, I went in Memphis. I haven't been to Lane and Jackson yet. I feel like I'm missing somebody. That's how you name like about 17 or 18. That's so. pretty. That's a, that's a lot. All right, more than I've oh, been to. Oh no, no, I forgot. I got the uh, the seminary, the Bible college, okay, Meharry and Morehouse School of Medicine. There's my four. Gotcha. All right. Now, and you were at Morehouse and the AU during October. Yeah, and I was also there in July. Okay, I was, I read a piece from uh, Morehouse's. Um, their uh newsletter the and I, I thought that was absolutely good uh through my blue eyes a path of redemption through the black experience phenomenal do you know what that means though for yeah. you you explain it the, yeah. this is the irony that i think it's people don't get mm-hmm. interacting with black america is what will heal my racist soul I agree. I a thousand percent agree with that. We're soulful. We're living soulful. It's merciful and gracious. Mm-hmm. Those are the words I give that Full is. Full of grace. And forgiveness. Like, I got the fact that I'm transparent about it gets me more love and credibility yeah. because people can actually ask me questions. And somebody told me there's people, white guys don't talk about their own racism and what yeah. it looks like. So it's hard for you to understand because you're not me. Yeah, we're not community. white men. Yeah. You're only the victims or you suffer. You know, you deal with that, the uh, manifestations of it. Yeah. So to understand where it comes from and how it looks to us, and we not understanding the ramifications of it, because we don't understand, we don't yeah. feel it. It's not done to us. Yeah, I will applaud you for um, taking the, the step to recognize your own racism and yes. want to actively change it yes. and move forward. Um, the next step, which you've been doing, is absolutely you know making sure that you talk to your brothers and sisters to get them to act and you can't change people unless they actually want to change but I think for for what it's done for you yeah like it's your duty now to to give that to them and to bring them in to help them to see like listen I understand what we were taught but this is what's actually happening and come come there we are welcome and I think sometimes that's a fatal flaw of ours that we can be too welcoming mm. into our community um but it's also how we see getting into like the afterlife and being good people. Yeah. So to not take advantage of it, but to actually understand and want to be a part of it. Thank you. Oh, listen, man, it's, I'm the beneficiary of this. It's, it's, my path has been revealed to me and you know, I don't hate my own race and people, my skin doesn't mean anything to me because I wasn't judged by it. Right. So Except for I, in prison at times. Yeah, but, but you know, I, <laughs> yeah, that's, I didn't grow up with it. Yeah. Feeling right. any, any special kind of way about it. So I've had to learn what it means to other people, right? And try to understand their perspective. Man, people look like me are going to be fine. They got enough going on for them. What I think the racists I don't care so much about because they either will or they want. It's the people that are right they're not on the fence but they're quietly supporting their allies uh-huh. but they, they can't accept the peer pressure they're so yep. scared of being judged mm-hmm. for speaking up or speaking out so I'm trying to find a fun clever and creative way to make it okay and cool yes Does that make, yes, like yes. at Morehouse's uh, tell the party one of the parties I went to one of the vice presidents you mean clever and cool to who white people I want to say no I'm trying to be clever and cool in the way I tell a story so they'll oh, listen okay. and get so, the, so we'll listen or to so they'll listen so those on the fence will we'll, we'll listen and but I have to, there's a multi way I'm going about all this. Okay. Mm-hmm. I have to show respect and love and admiration okay. for the subjects that I'm so into Absolutely. and passionate Absolutely. about, right? That's one part of it. But people who look like me see me doing it. I want them to be interested in the subject matter and the way I tell it. I want them to be engaged with yeah. it. But I want them to think about it 
and they see something else, they have a conversation about it, or they see another video, maybe a black history video, mm -hmm. they'll stop and watch it because they heard something else that was cool. Any which way I can, but I want them to realize it's okay. It's not a minefield to step out and just embrace and be part of. I wouldn't be on this journey if I hadn't have interacted with so many black Americans. Yeah, no, you That would. is, and so many times I've been, we've been the first white people to ever have dinner in their house. Wow. wow. That was something I was going to bring up. Like, excuse me, I know Q mentioned how, you know, you are helping your, uh, fellow brothers and sisters to have a, help them to maybe open their mind frame. But I also think, cause you know, you have racist black people too. No, like, we do not. Do we do no, not? You I not. Do, I, I, no, hold on, I, George. Let me hold finish on, my thought. Hold go on. ahead, go ahead. Hold I, on. No, no I'm going to let you finish, but it's not prejudice. Not racist, prejudice. I no, think that's where you're going. I, no, I, I know racist black people. There's no way. That I know racist black There's people no that do not like white people. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. They do Mike. not like Hispanic people. They do not like Asian people. Like, I know racist black people. And so I also feel like with you, even though you're speaking to everyone, and specifically your um, fellow white people, I do think that you're helping in black people that may be thinking like, you know, white people don't know nothing about us. They don't care about our history. I think you're also showing them a new perspective. Like, okay, you know what? Maybe there are some actual white people out there that actually care about what we have going on. So I think you're helping more than one race with your message. That's all I was trying to get at. Thank Mike, you. you got it. <laughs> but you got, I'm going to let her have her opinion Thank you, at the end of the day. We're going to let her have her opinion, but, but we, we need just to got educate talking the about masses this. about what racist means. We just got means. to be talking about the defense part of it. And so are you racist because you are extending or you are having a defense mechanism for most people of color, especially black people, when it comes to all the other races we have to deal with. And when I say racist, we're talking about going to as we, we we these are conversations we have all the time you go to the beauty supply stores that are not owned by us and you're followed mm -hmm. because they think you're going to do something What's defense mechanism being around white people the same way he said what he was taught growing up the same thing for black americans it, your great grandmama your grandmama they like, hey i don't talk to them i'm not around that because of what i saw and what i grew up so it, it you're saying racist but it's defense and that's why we always say about people of color especially black people being prejudiced and then because we have been such a minority but well, I'm I guess just I'm thinking about Latinos and Hispanics like I know black people that are racist against them and I feel like but, uh, what the word they, racist is one thing so as racist, racist is defined as discrimination like Race, by individual is community systemic is systemic racism is systemic you have to have power to be racist as a black person we can be prejudiced don't get me wrong we definitely can be prejudiced against we don't like a lot of damn stuff yeah we don't like a lot of <laughs> stuff but we don't actually have the systemic power to put our foot I put our foot on anyone's neck and hold them down systemically. systemically that's what yes. the, that's what racism right. is. No, you have systemic racism and you have racism. They are not exactly the no, same okay. thing. They're not. So, for our listening audience, Randy has her take on what it is, and then there is what it is. But we're gonna move no, on. That, that's a huge conversation. We're it is a huge about. conversation. They, they do divide but that. There is a, it is not the same. Mm -hmm. I think that's where we go wrong is trying to lump everything under the just the exactly. word racism, exactly. like lumping it together. Exactly. Because I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the etymology of the word racism, first coined in 1933, is the thought or belief that all or part of a race is superior or inferior. So, saying Asian kids are smarter than my white kids is a racist thing to say, even though we see it as complimentary, calling them smarter. Mm -hmm. It's not. We're actually putting down somebody 
they're smarter. They, you know what I mean. So you could break it down that way. I would I probably call that more stereotypical. No, I know. But, yeah, yeah. I get what you're saying. I, I completely understand. By definition, understand what you're it's an elegant definition. It's just grown and evolved. Absolutely. But I understand. I agree with prejudice. We picked the fight. Yeah. White people picked the fight. That's the thing I keep trying to tell people. We picked it. Yeah. We don't want to deal with the consequences of it. We yeah. want the wealth and benefits. Because their grandparents and great grandparents mm-hmm. that they invested and they got money and it grew because they didn't have to do the work. Right. All that trickles down. People in Tulsa. What about the 300 people killed or all the banks wouldn't let them have their money? That generational wealth stopped. Freeman Bank. Yeah. That's a, a whole lot of a black wealth that was lost because they trusted in putting their money in the bank. The bank closed. They took all the money and that think about well i can't say think about it but that that's where a lot of us would put money in the mattresses keeping piggy banks mm-hmm. keeping the money at home versus putting it in the institution because of that because nobody held them accountable no yeah. one went to prison for it and no they just took it. and they didn't get the money back either but that's and i guess and one of the other things i say black american every chance i get not black people mm-hmm. I know because i'm trying to subconsciously you know especially people look like me start to that's one way to do it i'm a storyteller and if i can subconsciously keep black american they're on equal level yeah, they're still american yeah yes, still yes. american you know and plus i've asked a lot of people of color what word they prefer most say black american i'm so well by god i'm gonna hammer that home so people start to realize it's a respect deal but i think it starts with the way we speak yeah you know the way we think and i will tell you this because i had a conversation in a hotel with a white guy who was out with co-workers the night before four other guys and they were dropping the n-word like crazy and he goes i'm from new york he goes, I still use the word occasionally, like the friends, you know. He goes, but they said it so much, I was so offended. He goes, I was getting angry. And he goes, I was angry because I couldn't say anything. Because those four guys would turn on me. And I didn't want to ruin our night. I didn't want to argue and been drinking and turn into a fight. Literally over that. Because those guys think it's more important they get to say the word than it is offending somebody there who looks like them. But that's a vulnerable conversation to have with a complete stranger who looks like me. No, it, it really is. Yeah. And it's a necessary conversation to be had. Um, that word is, that's our word. Granted, like, I'm just going to be, <laughs> I'm going to be straight up. Like, everybody does it, use it. But if anybody uses it and has the right to use it, it's us. So I, I don't think anyone outside of anybody who looks like me should be using it. Even when I'm like watching videos and I'm watching all these kids from other ethnicities and they're fighting and the word is just flying. And I get it because of the music. And, you know, it's like, OK, wait a minute. Like, let it's almost to a point that maybe we should just cut it out completely. Here's why I can't use the word. That word means something different. I was raised to think. I'm sure it had a I long ER on I it when you grew up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I but so said under no circumstance can I use that word because it's never going to mean to you what it means to me. No matter mm-hmm. what I do or try to change it, it won't. It's just an out of bounds thing. I don't want my brain to go there. I don't mm-hmm. want to think it or a chance to go in conversation. Yeah. But I don't know why people have such an issue. It's just a word, and that word if it carries negative significance, you're not going to flip it. It's just a cool no, way can't. of getting away with it. I don't know. That's just personal choice. I agree. So when are you going to Langston? That part. Actually, probably January. Okay. January after school starts. Yeah, because I got to go visit my parole officer in Little Rock. And, you okay. know, Langston's five hours away. And I thought, you know, why yeah. not go over there? No, no. Please take them two with you. <laughs> we just came from we homecoming. Like, yeah. uh, take we, was just there. we was just there. <laughs> so when we were texting uh, over the last week since we've been in contact, you had mentioned the brother and the sister who graduated on the same dates mm-hmm. and I didn't realize that was the young lady who's been in the news as the youngest college graduate from an HBCU student I didn't realize all of that had taken place within I knew she had graduated and she's on to be a teacher and everything she's like 16 or something you've seen a little yep. girl 
but her siblings graduated with her oh, I didn't know. on the same day. I didn't four know that. Yeah, it's, it's it's four of them. She has a sister and two brothers, and she has a brother who's younger than her, who also graduated as well. Like I was, I was taken aback. Like they know that part hasn't been talked about as much. Just her, but that's huge. That that's that a proud dad. dad. Over there, yeah, that's a proud parent. Period. Their mother was, I think, their mother also went to Langston. Uh, but that's a proud family. I heard the news article about her. I was so curious, I looked it up, and I found out everything else about the family, and that's why I told that all of them on stage together. And yeah, Shania. But that's how I got at HBCUs, is I just go down rabbit holes, mm-hmm. and the HBCUs keep popping up, and that's I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated with successes of people that people like me don't look at or recognize, because I'm finding some gorgeous things. Yeah. You know. What's the most exciting thing maybe you've learned, or you've, you've saw? Oh, God. Um... There's a few. Booker T. Washington story I know from heart. I tell it really well. I love that story. Um, Frederick McKinley Jones that invented Thermal King, the movie ticket dispenser, the precursor to the snowmobile, portable x-ray machine, 61 patents. Oh, God. Man, it was amazing. He had a sixth grade education. He was orphaned at age 11. He had a white mother, a white Irish father. Yeah. He's from Cincinnati. At 13, he was sweeping floors in an auto mechanic shop. At 15, he was the foreman. Wow. In the Army, he was promoted to sergeant in World War One. That didn't happen. Mm. That did not happen. His generals would trade him off to different camps because he'd rewire their communications and electricity. He was so good at it. Oh, wow. That's why he made sergeant. And came home, and anyway, he got with uh, Dr. Charles Drew, and they created portable blood banks to save yes. tens of thousands of lives in World War II. Just little common stuff, you know? N- not common to people that don't I know, know. You know what so. I mean? Like, it's, <laughs> but I find that, and that's beautiful. Yeah. That is, it's just... So, I mean, I've got those, Dr. Gladys West, that... Basically did the math that gave us GPS from Virginia State, mm-hmm. and she saw the video. That's probably one of the coolest things ever to me. What did she her, say? Her daughter reached out to me and said her mom was really flattered. Because I'm pretty sure it's the biggest video on the internet of her. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. You know, it went viral, mm-hmm. and so that was like a huge honor. Um, and then uh, Valerie Thomas, who gave us 3D. Because these women had never seen a computer before, before they showed up on the job. And they had to write computer language that was so advanced, they had to teach it to the engineers and underneath them. You know what I mean? And they've never seen a computer. Yeah, we know what you mean, George. You got to get you right there. We know what you mean, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. Still, you know, I will say this. Just instincts. Black American women have a higher propensity for STEM mm-hmm. than any other gender or race I've seen. Just in Absolutely. my informal research. But it happens so often. Dr. Day and Nicole Green with her cancer research. Yeah. Yes. That's you know? huge right now. Yeah. That is huge. Yeah, that's a big deal. Right I'm, like, we are protecting her. Please. Like, we are we super <laughs> protecting her right now. I've made several videos about her because oncology is important to me. What she's Heck doing is mm-hmm. fascinating. By the way, I love Alabama State. We love that campus. We love it. Sorry. Hey, guys. I'm just getting in and just getting the mic. It's girl and me with the T. But, yes, we love ASU, Hornet Nation. Woo-woo. I met you. You know what? Justin Hodeman, the white drum major, the only white drum major at HBCU. Head drum major. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when he walks, my girl, he glides. He doesn't walk. <laughs> oh, that little, that little <laughs> no, he glides. Yes. He's like five, six, hundred. I was literally three of him. <laughs> oh, my god. He gosh. was so nice. I mean, just. It's going to get the people awesome. going. Oh, but yeah. Like, I was like, seriously? Is that even possible? That's funny. <laughs> yeah, but, but you know what? Two HBCUs are predominantly white now. Like, Bluefield said, I think it's 90% white. I think 20, 25% of HBCUs are white kids overall divided up now you kept making that point on tiktok and i was i was curious why do you keep eluding 
to the amount of white people that are at HBCUs. Because white people are more likely to support something that yeah. they know white kids go to. Okay. That's All right. I, I was said. curious yeah. about that. It's like, why does he keep saying that? Because I want white people to know. Like, you can come here. It's cool. It's yeah, fine. Yeah, you, you absolutely. Great education. We, had, we had white people on campus, for sure. <laughs> we definitely listen, did. Listen, I can tell people all day long, HBCUs have been open to all colors and races since they've been open. They've always been mm-hmm. integrated. That will not mm-hmm. resonate with, it, with half them. the people. Yeah. Hey, 25% of the schools are white. It's good enough for them. What? What? What, yeah. what do you mean? Which ones are they going to? Now, that, that's conversation now, yeah. right? They've heard it over and over and over that they've always been open. You know, It's yeah. lost in the noise and you've got to find a different way to say it. We don't talk. We scream racism at each other. We use the word, but we don't actually talk about it. Yeah. We don't talk to each other. What does it look like? Why did I treat you this way because of that? And what did it feel like for you when I did that to you? So I can start to understand or how you felt. Well, I want to know, Have you? did you receive any maybe negative feedback when you went to some of these HBCUs? Like, nah, we don't need you. We don't, we don't really want to share. This is like, you know, trying to gatekeep. Did you receive any of that? No, but I will say Spelman... It's very difficult to get on the campus. Oh, no, all the, oh, all oh. the AUC schools are. Oh, yeah. Most I've been of on all of them, but Spelman. Yeah, Spelman is really hard. They have that gate. Like, you can't get in, especially yeah. you're a male. Yeah, you can't they get over the gate. No, they don't let you. No, the lady is so nice. She knows me well because I always come up. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been on the campus when uh, Morehouse's band went on. And they were, I was an oddity to them. I was definitely a turn to punch bowl. Of course. <laughs> you know, I could tell, but it wasn't mm-hmm. bad. It's okay, just okay. like, why is this, you know what I mean? Like, they looked at me with just odd curiosity. Who is this man? It was their safe. <laughs> safe zone and That's I was every, in it we're right? all gonna look like that when it comes to HBCUs yeah. and seeing you come because that and when I first saw you and I, I probably said earlier this year that was my initial thought like why is he telling our story not to say that you can't but I was just curious like yeah. what is he getting from why is he telling our story but listening to your going through your TikToks and sitting here with you I get it I understand I just it's, still curious I, I, the <laughs> most important thing in the world to me on my path to being a servant is the underrepresented, the misrepresented, and the not represented at all. Mm. That, to me, is who I look at serving. And people ask, is it a guilt thing? No, if it was a guilt thing, I wouldn't do it. I had to process that and make sure my intentions and why I do what I do. And that, was a, that wasn't an easy thing to figure out. Yeah. Because you second-guess yourself. Am I doing this for not real reasons? Right. Or is it just sways my guilt mm-hmm. or something? I had to forgive myself first. And when I forgave myself and said it's okay that I was that, as long as going forward, I do way better. You know, I make not make up for it, but I have to progressively be better as a part. And so, as long as I was clear about that, I felt okay with what I'm doing. Sleep at night, yeah. And that makes me so you. And I know we're getting ready probably to close it out here in a few. But um, you know how you're saying you're helping the underserved. What was the word you say? The underserved, Uh, the underrepresented, and not represented at all. So I just be you know I know right now we're about the HBCU, but do you see yourself also supporting other groups like LGBT who they feel like they're under? You know, I just want to know your thoughts on that. Yeah, I'm actually. I grew up around uh, members of the LGBTQ since I was a kid. I have okay. a gay uncle. Uh, I have a friend from I've known since first grade, played football with, who is a beautiful post-op transsexual woman. Okay. Knowing her and her struggle and what she went through, it gave me a whole different perspective a long time ago. So when all the, a lot of this political stuff happened, that was beyond, you know, I still don't understand people's judging for that. I, I still don't get it. But hey, um, you were going somewhere else. Uh, yeah, I'm just asking. Oh, community. Yeah, I've reached out actually to a couple of Chamber of Commerces where I live about how I can use my platform to benefit my community, the Urban League. Um, and one of the gentlemen with the Black Chamber of Commerce didn't know what an HBC was, which is not uncommon where I live. Mm-hmm. But he not was uncommon. black? Yeah. It's not uncommon it's not for uncommon. us either. No, I get it. 
Yeah. That's not surprising at all. White people? No. You work for the Black Com- Chamber of Commerce, and you don't know what HBCU not, is? No, I know black people who don't know what that, HBCUs yes, are. Even that's still. That's what I'm saying. He's Absolutely. Black. He's black. I know what I'm saying, but Chamber, he did not. Uh, that's, I, I'm I keep trying to find HBCU alumni groups up there, yeah. and Indianapolis and has in, them. Listen, it's Indiana. Yeah. <laughs> it's not really there. Okay. No, listen, Indiana. You got to <laughs> understand that that's Gary. where the Klan started, okay? Arkansas. Uh, uh, Harrison, Arkansas. Okay, well, our, don't our take history. That away from my let's see. No, my God. Wait a minute. You want to claim that? No, no, no. That's always been Harrison. No, you're Arkansas. right. No, um, so what I, I did want to ask since we kind of got into the political. I know Randy said we about to rap, but we probably got a couple more questions. Yeah, for, go for it, man. Um, since we're on the political thing, and reparations. Mm. Our people, like you said, this country couldn't have been built without free labor. Mm. And I understand that. Several groups, including several minority groups, have benefited from some form of reparations. I'm curious as to what your thoughts were or are, if they've changed at all since the talks began and before you had your your change of your thought process. Oh, I've done a complete 180. I thought reparations were, I could tell you mathematically, how could you figure it out? Because mm-hmm. if a man earned $100,000, how do you split it out among his generational descendants? Like, it's chaos. You can't dump that much money into the economy. It drives inflation. I knew those things. I didn't really know the facts. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And I think reparations has become such an insidious word to people that look like me. It doesn't resonate. Yeah, I call it investment. Even though we it's paying up, we got to call it a word people can swallow. And right? What's the word? How invest? invest. You use the word okay. invest. Everybody yeah. loves that word invest. They do. People don't understand. I don't know why they don't. I guess some companies do. The economic power of Black America has grown just at an exponential rate and it continues to grow and it's going to grow and if you don't respect it if you don't align with it you will get run over by it that's just and if you and you're going to see it happen i'm just kind of glad i see it early because i'm smart enough to look around like and see the world is shifting yeah you know what for hundreds of years i mean you weren't allowed to have an identity or heritage and then after that a hundred years you had a new form of slavery education wasn't legal you couldn't go past eighth grade where i'm from Back then, you know, you couldn't have these things. But to come to that much economic power in 160 years is unheard of in world history. What are you going to do in 40 years, 50 years? Mm. That curb is going straight up. Now, as you, I won't say you've bragged about having 10 felonies, but you've made it known. We, we know for sure. That okay. you, how you many fingers you got? That's felonies. how many I got. Now, you do understand <laughs> that slavery never actually ended, though, right? No. Okay. No, it, it just transitioned the 13th Amendment. I worked three, three years for free. Okay. All right. Oh, I know. Just wanted to just <laughs> curious about that, man. We got to, I think that the prison prison reform is huge. Um, I, and I, I've never been to prison, Please but I feel, I feel like there's, there could, the time could be spent doing other things, but because it's such a money grab, it's huge money that, you know, it's never going to be reformed. They're not going to teach you anything useful so that you can come out. Like, if anything, you go in and you come out a better criminal. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, yeah. All the connections I have, mm-hmm. the gangs, like shot collars that I did favors for, that those favors still stand on the street. Yeah, you get an MBA in criminality. Yeah. Um, no politician's going to get elected for being soft on crime. Can't do it. And if you got to be, you got to win a second term and be termed out to do any real good, and hopefully, because you can't get reelected. Mm hmm. And plus, this God, black American knows this better than anybody. Prosecutors have built careers on years of men's lives. Oh, it's yeah. literally a statistic. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's 10 oh, or 40 yeah. years. 
They don't care. It's a number. But they just want to win. Yeah, they just want to win. And they mm-hmm. want that bigger number for the ego. Yeah. These are years. This is families ripped apart, lives ruined. You know, I don't believe in death penalty anymore because there have been men that have been released for DNA. And if you can't 100% confirm that they did it, death penalty's got to go. Life in prison without parole is worse anyway. I bet. It's way yeah. worse. And I just want to say, just to be just about, oh, look, since, you know, I work for the jail myself. Oh, here we go. But go. I do want to say, say, I am from a Cobb County Sheriff's Office. You know, we have a Parrington 101 class that we help people to teach, you know, parenting skills as they're getting ready to transition and get out so they can be better parents. We have anger management classes to help them to deal with their anger. And we just had a new um, mental wellness uh, room for them to kind of just take a breather. So, you know, I mean, you know, there's Are these people that's incarcerated? Yes, they have one for that and one specifically for the employees. Yes. And that's going to help do... That's going to help just to kind of, you know, re reignite your mental to a better space. You know, um, you know where they have uh, chaplains there. You know, they got uh, people to help with breath exercises. Just trying to help you just to deal with your, your you being here differently. Helping to change your mind frame since you cannot change your situation. Gotcha. Were you laugh at that? That's I'm not going to laugh. Yeah, that's actually not bad. It's not a bad idea. It's not because the people I saw in there... There's no rehabilitation. And a lot of people that few take it seriously actually get some good. I've heard people to this day that will tell you that some of these programs they did that were odd help them, Mm -hmm. especially reading programs. Some of the smartest men I met in prison were black black American men. And they read and they read and they tell those youngsters, put your head in that library. Spend your time in a book. Don't spend it there in your rack. Don't spend it screwing up. You know what I mean? I knew a guy that had the entire Bible memorized. Couldn't tell you what anything meant. Tell you verse and chapter, anything you want. In reverse, name the verse. He'll tell you. It's amazing. He had the Scrabble dictionary memorized, but he couldn't beat me, save his life, because he didn't know how to play. The Scrabble mm. Oh, God. I never, <laughs> I never lost in Scrabble. I've never played Scrabble. Three, never? Six, no. I'm a board game guru, but that's when I have to play. All you got to do is Scrabble. 365 and 0 in prison. <laughs> okay. Dollar come on. a game. Undefeated. Dollar a that's game. That's crazy. <laughs> uh, Mike, were you about to say something? I was going to go back into with uh, Randy with the sheriff, but you're also looking at now a, a department as well as in the county that's run by a black man. And we know the issues we've been talking about it this entire time of black community. Yeah. But that wouldn't have happened before. You asked me where I was from off air. I said I was saved for the air. From the blackest city in America. Mm-hmm. I'm from Atlanta. Born and raised in this city. Not in the outskirts of what people talk about now. But born and raised to uneducated but business owners. Born and raised to HBCU graduates. Mars Brown College. So I've, I've seen it all. And so we, we've talked about some bit of everything. But to your point, it's something different in Cobb County that they never had. Sheriff Owens looks like you. Mm-hmm. He looks like the men that have been arrested in that county, specifically as we're talking about those parents. There's more people in prison of different colors, but as yeah. far as African Americans, Black Americans, you got to make a change, and so you have a change in the sheriff department. Yes. Randy is the change in the sheriff department too. <laughs> the you know, what you about to what say? do you do? For I'm her? not. I'm being serious. She just put them on Instagram. Moving That's on. That's all. Go she ahead. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do for the sheriff? I do PR. I do their public relations. Let's put them on Instagram. Go ahead. And she gonna make them look yeah. good. She gonna make them look good. I, I, that's my Everybody's going to have filters <laughs> for Christmas. Good. Y'all had the Christmas party already? No, we're having it Friday. We're getting ready, Hey, I did uh, want to make a, another point. Since we're here, man, I mean, we might as well just just get it all out. Let's talk about what? I don't know. What, what, what? Now, you know me. I know. I'm exactly. worried. Don't be worried. Be worried. This is podcast. So Go let, ahead. Let's, mm-hmm. let's talk about um, the Black Lives Matter movement. 
so that was a definite um a sore spot in our country at one point um and i don't think a lot of people understand the difference between black lives matter and the black lives matters organization right like those are two separate different things yes. and the meaning on what black lives matter means versus all lives matter you know that's not saying your life doesn't matter but with the climate of what's going on this is why black lives also matter i hear so much from people that look like me they're very clear like you bring up blm i don't support the organization okay. like they're very i'm quick ag- to say agreeing that. with you yeah it agrees i mean mm-hmm. they want to clarify real quick like they're not speaking out against Black Lives Matter movement. Mm-hmm. It's just they want to make that distinction. That's usually the first thing that I hear. Okay, get that. I get that. I didn't understand Black Lives Matter. I didn't get it because I thought all lives matter, right? All lives do matter, but I still it didn't is. get it forever. Yeah. I had a white friend of mine that's much younger than me set me down. He goes, "Let's say you adopt four kids. If Hispanic, you have Asian, you have a white." Kid, you have a black American child you've adopted. He goes, and your black American child comes up to you. It's like, Daddy, do you love me? Of course I love you. What do you tell your kid? He goes, why didn't you tell your kid I love all my kids? He goes, your kid was hurting in that, that moment. When mm-hmm. Your kid came to you for love. He goes, you're going to shut him and say, no, honey, I love all my kids. You're going to love on that kid mm-hmm. when they need you to love on them. And he goes, that's what this is. So it. It's, that, it's that, was the, it's, that was the way for you to understand Before that you couldn't comprehend it I couldn't conceptualize it until that analogy But I've said that to other people And I've seen that a lot go off in their head too Like that was a great analogy But I couldn't get it So is it that they immediately shun the idea of it? Or Well you can only speak for yourself oh, Is it that you just shun it immediately Like oh, all our lives matter Or was it This is ignorance This is where ignorance 101 comes in because people can't see it. They think if it's just Black Lives Matter, it somehow is taking something off their plate. Mm. It's got to be all lives matter. We have to be included in this, right? Mm-hmm. That's ego. That's a lot of things. And that's the fight. There. Yeah. And there's it is. But instead of just acknowledging like, yeah, Black Lives effing matter. That's really all it is. Mm-hmm. You know, let's just agree on that. Get that past that point. And we'll hopefully get on to a little bit better place. But apparently we can't do that here because it's too contentious to say that because all lives have to matter or blue lives matter or... You know, let let the cops get in trouble. Then we'll love on them. I just, it's just, I didn't see it that way. I saw it because it was taking something away from me. But now you understand. Now I completely understand. Okay, good. The reality is far freaking different than the one. Shout out to whoever told you put that analogy in front of you. Chris Lawson. That's an awesome analogy. Chris Lawson, I can tell you right now. Yeah, shout out Chris Lawson because yeah, I like that analogy. We we do have to be uh, cognizant that we're not, especially our community, we're not looking to take anything from anybody. Only thing we want is what's ours and to be treated equally across the board. Like we don't want to one up or any of that because yeah. if we really wanted to take over and cause hell here, we could. We're not looking for that. But that, that is true. The problem is, is what our community and how divided we are because we do have those individuals who do want to just take and then you talked about earlier the part of our community where we are soulful and we are full of grace because you can walk on those campuses and feel that energy and feel that love but that's a in-house problem that we don't want to talk about the same way you said white men as racists can't sit down just to discuss okay what the hell is wrong with us it's the exact same problem with us that is a great point Mike. yeah that's a great point great point 
I have a question. Sure. I don't know if this was covered or anything, but um, when it comes to like um, culture appropriation and maybe things like, um, I want to take it back as like Elvis per se, you know, just kind of ripping off his whole um, theme. And I just saw this. I just saw a video on it and everything. But off um, Roy, I think it was Roy something. I did see that, and you but, saw it on TikTok, didn't you? Yes, yeah, I, I did. But I knew about that because of things like Cadillac Record. But like, there's movies that pretty much depict the culture appropriation and then the snatching of something but being popularized by white culture what are your like thoughts on that you know it's so what's um the amount of word it's so prolific from my perspective it's hard to see sometimes that it was taken right because it's just always taught to us it was ours and it was I, for me, I have a problem. Like, oh, it wasn't ours. Cool. Now, you George, you know that. damn well y'all ain't dance like that on no damn stage. <laughs> <laughs> still, still don't. You know, I just, to be honest, it's never something I've given a lot of thought to about like taking the culture, being offended that it was taken because mm. it wasn't something I was forced to think. You know what I mean? Like, I haven't, I'm sure at some point I'm going to cross that road and go into it, but now that you mm. say it, I will. Um, it's a great question. You know, it's like the whole braids thing. I'd see white people always go back to the Dutch. You know what I mean? Like, oh lord, <laughs> this 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 is this got me. This was just this year, but this really this bothers me to this day. There is a website out there that is devoted to debunking every black inventor. What's the website? Man? I have to find it. I will go look. Please like, send Google, it to me. Just Google. Oh, wow. Okay. It's this not, should be it's, interesting. It's not a dark web thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I got posted the website on one of my. Vir- I had a video with six million views, and the white haters came out big time. But yeah, there's a website and I started looking at it and I started debunking. They got the wrong date. They got this name mixed mm-hmm. up. I have an eidetic memory. I can remember this stuff. And I realized somebody devoted that amount of time to trying to debunk. You know what I mean? Like to what end? It's that important to them. That bothered me. That just, it still bothers me. How do you got to feel that way about people you don't know to devote that much time and energy? And knowing it's not even factually correct. That's still a problem in 2023. <laughs> But like you, we said, things have taught. Uh, I'm from Atlanta, so uh, the great philosopher Bruce Bruce would tell you oh, in a minute: ATL. you put a black baby and a white baby in the room together, they gonna play like first cousins. Yes, they will. And when that white man come pick up his baby, trying to figure out why that black baby in here, that black baby gonna be like, "Where you taking my cousin?" Mm-hmm. It's just what it is. Yeah. It's taught. It's generational. And until, like you said, you walk into this journey. And this path that you're on, leading by example, until you're ready to change, you're not gonna change. And then, like you said, you had you end up going to prison and got a, a wake up call because you were treated in a way that most like black it. men have mm-hmm. been treated. Plus, I, you know, I got to meet not the worst of society. I got to meet some of society people judge harshly. Mm-hmm. I got to meet yeah. guys in there for multiple murders yeah. and all different horrendous. You know, one guy I knew it just. It killed me because I remember reading a story in the paper long before I got locked up, or he tortured a guy because a guy robbed him. I mean, he yeah, he getting a lot of time for it. He was still a decent dude. He was my cellmate for a little while. That's you not know? justified. I don't know. No, no, but you gotta get along. But I also hear some of these people's stories and what's done to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was not justified. But how you can ever be normal in the head after some of the crap that's happened to some yeah, of these people? Man. That's true. But um, hold on, you just led me to a. Um, you just said, repeat what you said. You just triggered me on something good. I'm uh, just talking about the just but generational. We what people have been taught, and you're not oh, able to break it until you break it. Yeah, the kids. Mm-hmm. I remember my first 
friend who happened to be black. Fourth grade, Ronnie Torrance moved here from Oka, California. He and his older brother, Ronnie. Mm. I don't know where Ronnie, I've tried to reach out to Ronnie, but I actually still occasionally talk to Rodney because I only had five or six kids in my school that happened to be black Americans. Yeah. You know, and I, the whole they were just like, uh, you know what I mean? Like, we didn't know they were indifferent because we were all alike, basically. And one of them I grew up with and played football just reached out to me. He's like, why is my white friend popping up on Facebook talking about my history? <laughs> okay. I'm like, Rob, this is why. But his mom was my nurse when I had spinal meningitis. She was an angel to me. So I love Miss Amos. You know, so I never viewed it because they weren't black. They were my friends. But you've hit something on the head. You and your late father, uh, it was just society. It was yeah. just culture. You into George culpable. Washington, but you were into George Washington Carver sure. as a kid. Your dad had a best friend yeah. in Vietnam. There were these African-American black kids in your community. But culture, culture told you and your dad to be an asshole. <laughs> That's basically what you said. No, when we're young, we're taught that. But at some point, I became culpable for this. You did. I, I want to give you your credit because what we do as black Americans, because we are soulful, soul holiday, listen to that sound. I listen of to that today. Oh, yes, I love it. Is extend you that grace because you said you had to ask for forgiveness and forgive yourself. So I'm extending you the grace to let you know and speaking for your late father that because of culture you were expected to be one thing but you both decided not to do that and you changed and so that is my grace to you because you are feeling this energy every time you step on the campus and now because you are a servant and you should know this because as much church and bible study and sunday school that you teach in the path that you are going when you are a servant you do it because you enjoy it and you love it and you'll be rewarded for it it's a words come but i love it yeah i i i'm gonna say this my girl grew up in indiana grew up on a farm she never went to school with anybody but white kids and most of them were catholic mm-hmm. right What's they were that all brothers from? and sisters indiana. Uh, She's indiana, 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 indiana. Indiana. yeah i grew up oh. on a big farm unless you win gary listen <laughs> No, you go right way up, way up. <laughs> she probably would have been throwing no bangs. She was from Gary. <laughs> so, it, the first time she'd ever been in a Black American's home for dinner was the summer. Wow! Because she just never had it. Like she didn't grow up with anybody, mm-hmm. none. So she didn't have anything racist. She just had no knowledge or education. Right. Her mom's got a master's degree, thirty-year teacher. Had to ask me what HBCU was. I know her dad would know. He's a farmer, you know, but yeah. he's very intelligent. He remembers everything I tell him about him, and he's fascinated with history. So it's, you know what I mean? Like I see people get exposed to it, like, and no yeah. one's ever told me to stop or it's wrong. Most people, I didn't know that. If Which I can is keep awesome. getting people to do it and mm-hmm. look it up themselves, or maybe they'll tell a coworker or their kid. Oops. Yeah, knowledge as well. Not only what point. you're doing, you're just you're creating conversation with your movement for people to at least talk about it, and then hopefully the mind frame will change for them. So I know you're doing your tour. Tell us about like the rest of the remainder of your tour, the dates, all that good stuff. I'm still trying to figure out complete sponsorship and all that. So that dictates a lot. But we're going out after the holidays. I know we got to go to Little Rock. And I just want to go to Langston and go down to Texas, Louisiana. Yeah, Texas. And head up. Um, That's the plan. I know I've got an event in L.A. in April. And then I plan to walk across America after that. Starting in New York to L.A. Is it walk? Oh yeah, we'll get to that. That's in your just, RV yeah, though, yeah. right? You don't mean literally walk. I literally mean literally marathon walk. a day for thirty two hundred miles. Yeah, that's what he was saying earlier. I literally walk. It's a yeah. great weight loss program. That's why you were saying you're gonna become Mr. Slim Jim. <laughs> Got it. Okay. I want to walk thirty two hundred miles. Oh lord, you're, okay. You crazy? 
You got one shot in life to be great at something. Absolutely. To to reach for it. And in prison, I sat in. Here I am thinking you was being great by visiting all the HBCUs. (laughs) (laughs) You want to walk across the country. (laughs) Yeah, but I want to tag. I'm going to go across some HBCUs along the way for a reason. That'd be nice. Because it draws attention. And plus, Booker T. Washington wants 500 miles to go to school. Forrest Gump did that. Yeah, I'm not doing. I'm gonna do a smiley face too. Don't wear HBCU <laughs> shirts. That's what I want to do. Is wear HBCU shirt. Listen, changing All the mindset one step at a time. Absolutely, that's the whole point. First mm-hmm. step. There's your slogan. There you go. Oh, I'll say the first step's 18 inches. I'll take it with you. Okay. Or come walk a mile in my shoes, and I'll walk a mile in yours. Talk to me. Mm. But it's just a moving community people can belong to as it moves along. Stop back through Atlanta. I'm gonna cook for you. Your waist out. We gonna have dude. your Langston shirt. <laughs> your waist out. Come on, Let's take your break. Go get something to eat. Just come on down. Just come on down. Geography. So, when you go to uh, Langston, I, I really, really hope that you go when school is in session. Yes. There's a lot, a lot of history on our campus. Um, how it started with the land grant, which most HBCUs start with a land grant. Um, you'll do your history. I've, I've noticed how you've gotten the first names and then what it was transitioned to but i really i really hope that school is in session because you're going to be enriched by how langston came about and how it's the furthest west it's it's probably one of the last it's not the last but it's one of the last hbcus to be established in 1897 yep so you're going to learn a whole lot of history so it's just a pup essentially compared to some of the others especially the bigger ones yeah it is. It is. But it holds his own, though. Well, just so you know, a friend of mine who runs a huge IG site um, tied to HBCU culture, like massive, mm-hmm. she specifically asked me to cover Langston. She goes, would you please go to Langston? Well, mention no Who is it? Historically Black Sense. Historically Black Sense? That's the name of it? The IG page you've never seen? No. Well, maybe. Let me see. I'll be I have not. Historically Black Sense? Yeah. Yeah, you got to come to Langston. We got a lot she of history. Go specifically for we, we get people, celebrity, Chad Johnson, Ocho Cinco. Yeah. He went there. Langston? Yeah, really? he, yeah. He played football uh, there. He's not a Keith Lee, though. He's not a Keith Lee. No, no, no. He, uh, his, his daughter got him together. Oh, they did? Yeah, okay. she tightened him up. He'll mention it. when uh, The first time he was on uh, Shannon Sharp's uh, podcast, he mentioned being at uh, Langston, where they called him Turtle. He actually used to hang with my fraternity, my chapter, on campus. And they used to call him Turtle because of how he looked. Um, it makes sense, though. <laughs> Uh, who else with the like Jennifer, uh, Jennifer Hudson? Jennifer Hudson, really? yeah, yeah, yeah. We we got some historic people that went yeah. there for sure. I can't. I think it's just because it's so far out there, like that remote. Mm-hmm. I, I'm drawn to it for that reason because yeah. they've had to struggle. They had no other support. Like yeah. the AUC in Atlanta had each other. Oh yeah, back. we was on yeah. the hill. But Langston was got man. And let me tell you, right next to us was like with another little KKK headquarters. They used to try to drive their little trucks through the campus, trying to hoop and holler. Really? So yes, it must be before I got there. Oh, because yeah, that happened in 06. Yo, that they was, sure that it was in Coyle, Oklahoma. That's where they was at. Yeah, Henry County. I mean, Logan County is super racist. But Gap Band, you know, they're yep. from Tulsa. Yep, they brought that up. Langston. It's historic. It's historic. Like, I, I can't wait to see your video once you actually And give us a shout out. out. Thank you so much. Absolutely, because you met us first. And if Ew. you go to campus and you mention us, they're going to know exactly who you're that, talking about. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I'm going to post a picture of us and tag all of them, so they're probably going to be waiting. I yeah, absolutely. Got on there. Well, the bros, my young dogs will see you. <laughs> I'll make sure, that, I'll make sure you see the bell. It's a big bell in the middle of campus. It's yellow with a purple bell on top. Don't go too close, but... <laughs> We don't walk on the grass, trust yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, don't walk on the grass. My girl, my girl <laughs> one video stepped on the grass and Somebody, she had like, get off the grass. We thought people were mad at us. We didn't, we weren't in on now. We know. Yeah. We don't. <laughs> I don't step on grass the other day in Indiana. I was like, she goes, cut across. Going going right. <laughs> it's so ingrained in my head not yeah. to walk. 
And Fisk, even in neighborhoods when we grow up, get off the grass. Yeah, that's Fisk mm-hmm. University president gave us permission to walk on the grass anywhere except Jubilee Hall, and even I still wouldn't walk on the grass because I don't have a hall pass. <laughs> I don't get to walk around saying he told me it was okay. Yeah, nope. yeah. yeah. I'm not getting. Mm-mm. Before that's you, awesome. before we close, I just want to know what was your top three favorite things about state. Um, <laughs> just we got to hang out. With, out. We got to hang out with uh, Dr. James Oliver, the band director, yes. and he told us stories. Uh, spent an hour. That was a really cool moment to get to just stranger completely. We're same age, and yet we connected, walked in with a handshake, left with a hug. Oh, that wow. was one of the, the really cool things. Uh, Laboris Perry, the guy, the ambassador, took us around the campus. Love Laboris. I just, we get to hang out and talk with him. Um, it's a very beautiful campus. It is I, nice. I'm going to say all the element ones nice. are, but they're different in each way. And mm-hmm. I just... You know, when I saw the 2 Chains video when he went back. Yeah, he yeah. just went back. I'm just saying, it felt like it was like, am I watching the, kind of like one of my videos a little bit? It's awesome. <laughs> Their cafeteria is amazing, too. Yeah, it, it is dope. I tried, you know, we did not Newly have fried renovated. chicken there. We had it at Albany State, and then Miles is where we've had. We've had fried chicken twice. <laughs> you went on a Friday? Oh, it was Wednesday. It was Wednesday. Right? It was Wednesday? Well, yeah, it's fried okay. chicken Wednesdays. Fried yeah, chicken sure. Wednesday. I'm turning all y'all mics off. Good day. <laughs> <laughs> you That's an HBCU thing. It is. Yeah. Here's something I saw at Albany State that I thought was brilliant. Is they have a giant spice rack with like giant spices really? of everything. It's like really? You take what you need to your table and put it back. So somebody went to Sam's and just loaded up. That's so dope. everything you think of. I'm like, That's I the like simplest thing like in the that. world to put in. You couldn't do that. Huh? We couldn't do that. Why? Because that shit would be in our okay, okay, Back to the door. <laughs> Man, listen, we would cook like if the cab was closed or we didn't miss it or something. Hey, it wouldn't be nothing for somebody to be cooking in yep. one of the apartments and you go eat or you hanging out. Yep. And we whip up something or we had this thing called Langston Bucks. Yep. Man, oh, listen, Langston Bucks. Listen, we ate good. And then my roommate, two of my roommates worked in the cafe. One worked in the cafe, one worked. We had a thing called World of Wings. Wow. Man, they would come home with bags of food. Never missed a meal. Oh, college day. Love so it. fun. So tell us how we can, of course, you know, follow you, stay tapped in, support in any way that we can. TikTok, it's White George. And uh, Instagram is The Wit George. It's the white without the E. Because that's my name reverse. Okay, you have a site or anything we can just say? Uh, no, I don't have a website. We have it. We have not put anything on it. But HBC Travel Challenge is pretty much everything we tag. It okay. all goes on. That's a separate page we have yes. just to keep curated for HBCU. Um, I will tell you, we got the Celebration Bowl this weekend, the yep. Band of the Year competition mm-hmm. by ESPN. Give them their plugs. I'm still working on my media passes for the Celebration Bowl. Next week, we go to Pensole Lewis School of Design with the high school kids. To tour that, and like I said, we've got—I uh, think during February we got Battle Creek, Michigan, yeah. bringing in a bunch of HBCU alums to talk to those kids. And I haven't got it done yet, but I think I've got a couple of people on the hook for thousand-dollar scholarships yes. where we want donated. And I'm gonna start with—I'm not gonna say which one I'm starting with because I gotta right. make sure first. Right. But I want it to be a discretionary scholarship for last-minute students. So there's a student Ooh. who's a thousand dollars short, and that's nice. what's keeping them from going to college. That's a discretionary one. You can go. Okay, this one is for you. Because that that keeps a kid out of school. That's one yeah. kid that mm-hmm. may never come back. And that's a million dollars difference in a Listen. lifetime. Yeah. With a degree. Let's go, White degree. George. Hey. So, <laughs> I you figured. Know, now that you mention that, make sure you visit the financial aid department. Every HBCU <laughs> you go to. We yes, have a running every- joke about this because it's the yeah. same for all of us across the board. But that, that would be handy. Well, I'm about yes. to do a video on the seven steps to apply for a Thurgood Marshall College, college Fund Scholarship. I re- They reached reached out to me and I got a hold of them and their social media director said, would you kind of help try to tell a story a different way? Because I've had people, parents ask me how to get money and scholarships and I don't know. I'm so far removed from that and I didn't have student loans. So 
I reached out to them. I said, could you give me five steps? They gave me seven. Mm. And I will tell you, the most important one is number seven. And this is where kids screw up. They delete their video before the scholarship process is over. She goes, that is probably one of the most overwhelming reasons kids disqualify themselves. And they just think they didn't earn it. No, they took themselves out of the running. Why did they delete the video? Right. They, they, they think they didn't get it. They get impatient. It takes at least 12 weeks minimum before Literally. your application mm-hmm. be processed. And they change their social media, wherever they link it to, whatever, oh. they delete it, and immediately it's out. Well, That's a good tip. Y'all listening to that? And then it also they also try to overproduce their videos. They have to make up to a two-minute video based Maybe on a question. That. And no professional headshots, no studio, just sit and be yourself. That's all they want. If you're naturally funny, be funny. If you're studious, be that. That okay. makes sense. Well, George, you know, I'm so glad that you were presented to me by my guy, Terrence. Um, and that you were actually going to be in town and I caught you before. I'm so glad that we actually sat down and had this conversation. Yeah, this is absolutely. a much needed conversation that I've wanted to have um, for a couple of years. And to have you here to do so, I appreciate that. Thank you, man. I, Thank I you. Thank you for being so willing. You were immediately like, yes, let's do it. And um, thank you. I'm honored. I want to thank you for having me up here. Maybe we'll do it again. Shit, we here. Let me come back to Atlanta. Come on back. Come on back. Don't be acting like you're too big time when you come back either. (laughs) Listen, Randy. Randy, he got thirty thousand followers and over two million likes. He ain't if he if he here now. Three hundred. He about to get Oh my bad. My bad. My bad. That's a lot. He had to get. He about crazy. to be on the news and even bigger. Yeah. I just to make sure he I, don't get too listen, big. Time I, I, I heard where you video. started. I made one race, fun of racist in one videos, and it gets six million views. See, that was the. That's what just launched everything because it was very tongue in cheek way to yeah. appreciate and. God, the hate I got. It was amazing. I've been told not to come back to Arkansas. Been called oh, yeah. a race trader. That's uh, why you got death, death threats. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah your fellow inmates got your back. <laughs> he still got it. He, he still got them favors. He got, he got them favors. <laughs> I saved a guy a thirty-year bid because he couldn't read English, and they tried to file a search warrant one one house over the county line. He was a Hispanic dude, and I caught that, and I'm like, "Oh, through the poison tree, no sir." I went into court with it. The, the cops fought it and tried to get it. The judge is like, "How about one county over? One state over? One country over?" You know, no, you did it incorrectly, yeah, and it was, yeah. and that was the that was the clothes he was wearing. That was everything. So. Say to my bid, but that's the right thing. I'm sorry. Yes. Shout out to you for doing the right thing. Always. It's never about truth and innocence in court. It's about what you can prove and not prove. Absolutely. That's what they forget. Well, everybody. Bring them to the cookout next summer. We'll see what we see. Hold on, Mike. You still ain't been to the cookout? (laughs) got to bring them to the cookout. Yeah, been to one. We got to make sure he get one. No, got to bring them to my cookout. Lord, I'm worried. Let's see what these scholarships and these events. He wants to bring them next summer. I want to leave you with one thing. I should have done this earlier. Yes. I have an idea for a fundraiser. Okay. okay. What's your opinion? Are y'all ready? We're ready. We do it particularly for bands once per school, maybe at homecoming or tailgating. Mm-hmm. A Duncan Karen booth. My girl looks oh, like a Karen. Fight. She looks, looks like, like a Karen. Karen. That's hilarious. She'll sit up there. She's blonde, you know, and go. You feel like a girl. Shut up. Get in line. Twenty bucks for three balls. <laughs> Wow. And just let people tee off. And we got some of her girlfriends who'll get up and act like Karens. Oh my god! And just let like America's tee off. I don't, I don't know if that's gonna go. Well. Dude, it would go viral. It would, it would go viral. It would go viral. But I know my people. And no, 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 <laughs> just do it for the video and get some sponsorship. Right. That's, that's hilarious. You know, people would pay twenty bucks for that, and because the money goes to the band, we just give all the money to over. The band. That's a good. That's a good. I like that. Just do it at the band fundraiser, not at the homecoming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do it at halftime. You make a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not homecoming. You're right. People be too drunk. You mess around, and get body slammed out there. <laughs> All right. Well, we are gonna get out of here. It's been your boy Q. 
It's been Randy, Indy with the T, and my homie Mike B, man. It's been George, all the way from Arkansas by way of Indiana, down here kicking it with Black Educated and Broke, man. We appreciate you coming in. We're going to wrap this thing up, and we out of here. Peace. Thank you for having me. Thanks.